Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cash back events, And it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Welcome to CBS Eye on Veterans, reporting for ConnectingVets.com, the military news and veteran lifestyle website. I am Navy veteran and journalist Phil Briggs. And this week, all of our attention is on the big game, as football fans across the country will turn their attention to Las Vegas and watch the Chiefs battle the 49ers for the NFL's biggest prize. And over the years, the experience has grown to like a whole week-long celebration. There's like interactive experiences and incredible tailgates with celebrity chefs. Uh, There's groups bringing awareness to all kinds of causes that are important to both the players and the fans. And today we're going to check in out there with a couple veterans that are highlighting the important role that all veterans can play in defending our democracy even after they've taken off the uniform. We'll turn now to two veterans with the group Vet the Vote and a mission to ensure election security by recruiting veterans to be poll workers in this important election year. It's not lost on me that we're talking about recruiting poll workers in Las Vegas. So let's just uh, go ahead and remind ourselves that, make no mistake, we are talking about voting and elections. Hopefully, what goes on? Workers. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Hopefully, what goes on in Vegas this year does not stay in Vegas. So, with that, let's say hello to Marine veteran Ben Kaiser and first generation American, second generation Air Force veteran Anil Nathan. Ben, first, welcome, buddy. Hey, Phil, thanks so much for having us. And Anil, good to talk to you, sir. Likewise, Phil, really appreciate the time. Really glad to have you here to talk about voting elections, election security, the way veterans can get involved and really kind of uh, give us faith in this system that has been questioned over the years. And, you know, some of the ugly debates we've had. Uh, I really love what you guys are about and vet the vote being there in Vegas at, you know, the NFL's biggest game. Uh, it's so cool. So let's start with some bios, though, real quick. We'll flash back. Ben, couple uh couple highlights about your days as a devil dog, man. Uh, tell me about the Marine Corps. Tell you about the Marine Corps. <laughs> you know, it feels like almost a lifetime ago. It's uh, I'm I'm probably I am I'm I'm exactly 20 years out this year from separation, which is pretty wild. Um, I I joined while I was in college. I was a reservist, 
too uh, too impatient to wait until I graduated. So that meant um, reserves and enlisted. Uh, I was a uh, field radio operator mostly at art- for an artillery battery. And I joined up in peacetime, but uh, ended in wartime, um, as many as many of my uh, my peers did at that time. H- had to uh, withdraw from law school, actually, to go uh, serve in the Iraq campaign right during the invasion and uh, separated right after. Right on. Let's talk deployments real quick. Okay, so you pulled up some roots out of law school, jumped right into active duty. Uh, where did Uncle Sam send you? Yeah, so I, I I ended up spending pretty much my entire time in uh, Kuwait. The unit that I was with was tasked with uh, providing security and communications for a Navy fleet hospital that was uh, planned to set up and care for the casualties of the Battle of Baghdad, which which never happened, right? So uh, we, we, we kind of sat on the border there at Camp Coyote and Camp Fox for several months. Uh, dodged some incoming scuds for the first couple and, uh, you know, pretty much didn't, didn't do a whole lot to be frank. <laughs> well, you know what? You raised your hand, you were there, you were ready to go. And I know as any good Marine, you were, you were itching to get in the fight because, uh, you know, we had you guys on the carrier a few times I was stationed on it. I mean, you, you guys just loved shooting at anything. We took out the garbage and you would shoot it off the fantail. Like you guys just loved that and got to love it. Yeah. There was a. There were a whole bunch of restless Marines um, in, uh, in those in Camp Fox and Camp Coyote that weren't out there, you know, participating in the invasion. And, um, you know, it got a little wild. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Hey, let's uh, go ahead and also say hi to Anil Nathan. Uh, I found it interesting when I was reading through your bio that I included it in the lead in, of course, first generation American, second generation Air Force veteran. Tell me about the connection in your family to the Air Force and a little bit of your service history. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I feel like I can't speak about my my time in service without talking about uh, my dad, uh, just because it's so interconnected. But but as you teed up, so my, my dad actually uh, moved from India to the U.S. in the late 60s and well, I came to this country to do, uh, you know, his master's in biochemistry and then kind of stay here in the long term. And uh, lo and behold, he was drafted into the Vietnam War and uh, in the late 60s, because uh, a lot of people don't know, but the, the draft actually did not require you to be a citizen. Um, so he had the chance to, to defer for academic reasons, but made the decision to say, hey, I'm planning to plant my roots in this country. I'm planning to raise a family in this country. I'm willing to serve. Uh, and so he ended up spending uh, about a total of 24 years on active duty uh, in the Air Force, first uh, as an enlisted uh, you know, staff sergeant, all the way up to staff sergeant, and then uh, going to OTS and uh, then to pilot training and uh, did a bunch of other things uh, across the Air Force as well. And so, you know, he was a major influence in my overall perspective on not just the Air Force and, you know, the military, but service in general, right? Um, and that became pretty clear to me as I was figuring out what I wanted to do with my life, that I wanted service to be a major component of that. Uh, and so, you know, I made the decision to, to do ROTC in college uh, and then commissioned uh, after I graduated into active duty and spent about seven and a half years on active duty. Yes, sir. And I was sure you made a fine lieutenant. Very cool. Uh, always glad to hear that, uh, you know, you kept it in the family and Frankly, as we all know, as vets, you know, it's a family business. I have family in the military. I think we've all got a family member there. Um, just great. Great how we continue that. Uh, I want to ask real quick, what was your what was your area of specialty in the Air Force? Because there's just some dynamic 
cool parts of the Air Force that I think get overlooked, what with the cyber and the SATCOM and, and all the different aspects that the Air Force controls in the battle space. What did you do? Yeah, well, I, I was pretty bread and butter. I was not maybe one of the, on the, the cool side of, uh, of all those things. I was a pilot. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I uh, flew a couple different aircraft uh, operationally, flew C-17, as well as a couple of years doing the, the Predator drone uh, MQ-1, uh, actually out of here, out of Vegas, uh, kind of in the desert, about an hour northwest of where we're sitting right now. Uh, so it was a pretty, pretty incredible experience um, overall. And uh, obviously, kind of made uh, made a lot of lifetime friends um, through through the process. Deployed to Iraq for about six months in uh, 2010, um, and then obviously flew all over uh, kind of every part of the globe, moving people and equipment uh, to and from. And right there noted the difference between Navy pilot and Air Force pilot. If he was a Navy fighter pilot, I would have probably known in a couple seconds. Whereas the Air Force guy, look at that. He buries the lead. He didn't even say he was a pilot. Love that. Uh, also noted in your bio, uh, real quick, uh, worked as the general manager for aviation at Uber. What, what on earth would Uber be doing in aviation? <laughs> Can I like just like get on the Uber app and get a plane to pick me up somewhere now? Have we advanced that far into the future? Uh, as, as we used to say at, at Uber, it's, it's closer than you think. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the vision that Uber had in the aviation space, which is still alive and well, just not within kind of Uber's uh, four walls, is uh, is part of this concept of urban air mobility. So essentially, it's electric helicopters flying uh, at scale over cities. So imagine Manhattan being able to hop from one part of the city to the other in a matter of, you know, two minutes versus uh, potentially two hours trying to get there on the ground. Um, and I was, uh, I, I led a team at Uber that was focused on building kind of the tech technology and operational muscles uh, to make that a reality. Uh, so it was a very, very cool uh, kind of meshing of my aviation background in the Air Force plus kind of the business and, and uh, tech experience as well. But uh, uh, yeah, it was, was a pretty cool thing to be doing. Very cool. Well, if we weren't talking elections today, we would definitely sidebar right there. I'd do the whole show on that because I love that Netflix documentary about the making of Uber and its early chapters. Uh, wow. Crazy cool to think you were a part of that. And that aviation is a part of our future transportation model. So super cool. All right. As we are talking about elections, we are talking about voting um, and kind of like what we're doing out there with the Super Bowl experience and being part of it. Uh, let's kind of zoom out real quick, go to the 30,000 foot view and say, what is Vet the Vote? And for this, we'll go to Ben. So Vet the Vote is a campaign to recruit veterans and military family members to be the next generation of poll workers. There's a pretty stark need in the country. We've got to recruit over a million poll workers nationally for the large election cycles. Uh, so that's really every two years. Um, and in this year in particular, in the last year, last couple cycles, it's been a challenge, right? So between the pandemic and some other factors, like our traditional poll worker cohort aging out a bit, other Americans have to step up to fill these shortfalls. In 2022, that number was about 120,000, 125,000 shortfall. And uh, Vet the Vote got together with 30 other uh, veteran service and engagement organizations, military family service and engagement organizations, uh, and the NFL, which was a, a huge part of our coalition, to go out and recruit 64,000 or so veterans and military families. So, uh, you know, enough to fill about half that shortfall. Um, we've had a great partnership with the NFL, and we're here at Radio Row and 
other Super Bowl events this week, kicking off our 2024 campaign. Very cool. Anil, share with me the importance of these poll workers. You know, I take it for granted. I go, I wait in my line at my local middle school or elementary school or community center. You know, I get to the door. There's a smiling, happy face that just sort of points and says, go to that table. And then I check in and then I'm kind of directed. But more than just logistics, like what is it that's vitally important about having more election officials and more election poll workers? Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a great Great point, great question, because I think it is for, for most Americans and honestly was for us as a team, uh, a pretty, pretty big wake up call and realization that there are these unsung heroes uh, who are incredibly important to our democratic process. Um, and as Ben was mentioning, you know, the, full, the roles are, are getting harder and harder to fill. Um, and, it, you know, to your point around why they're important, there's, there's kind of two parts to it, I think. Number one is, just to make elections run, you need uh, you need patriotic citizens to volunteer their time, and in some cases, these are paid paid positions, right? You volunteer your time for a day or a week or however long, and you get paid to actually support that. Uh, but to give up, you know, your time and serve, uh, really, I think that's an important word to use when we talk about these folks uh, to make sure that our democratic process is run. So everything from checking in voters to uh, being a part of the tabulation process to uh, packing things up and unloading and loading, uh, you know, kind of equipment, all of those things, which I think, as you mentioned, as a voter, you sometimes take for granted. You show up, you get your ID checks or you walk into the polling place, you you vote and then you walk away. But there's so much work that goes behind the scenes to make that happen. Um, and we need more more citizens to step up to to fill those uh, fill those roles. And I would say the second kind of really important part of this, too, is you know, being a part of the process is so important to really understand the integrity and the strength of our, you know, how our elections run. Um, and, you know, we, we have a kind of a saying within our team. And, and as we talk to more Americans about becoming poll workers, look, if you have, if you want to learn more, or if you have questions or you're skeptical in any way, shape or form, sign up and volunteer and go be a part of it. Because every single person that we talk to who participates as a poll worker comes out of the, the experience saying, holy cow, I had no idea how rigorous and how, how many rules and how structured this process is. Um, and so it's, you know, kind of building that confidence uh, for all Americans about how strong our elections are is, is a really important part of why we need more people to participate as well. Yeah, and I'm really glad you kind of set me up for where I want to go next, because establishing trust is something that, you know... <laughs> It's been eroding over the last couple of years, and I don't want to get into finger pointing or partisan politics, but it's like people hear news stories, they hear things out there online, and then they start to question if the system that we have, if this democracy that we have is even rigged. And, you know, I just don't like it when it comes to people then not wanting to vote or people thinking, oh, it doesn't matter if I get involved. But the misinformation that goes on out there can be fueled because people don't have an idea about about what goes on sort of behind the curtain. And I think it, it's an interesting thing to talk about misinformation with you guys uh, this week, even, especially where you are at the NFL's biggest game, the Super Bowl. And wasn't it just like two weeks ago, we heard about uh, 
things online and conspiracy theorists, you know, they're talking about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and is Taylor Swift as a pop star and an acclaimed musician. Is she a psyop asset of the DOD? And is she out there to try to turn the tide against the election? Um, Ben, if you could riff on that a little bit, just about how maybe knowing more about how elections work or volunteering in this system can help quell some of these crazy things that get shared online. Yeah. So, you know, um, that line of thinking raises a couple really interesting considerations. So number one, as veterans and military family members, our fellow fellow community members tend to see us as more knowledgeable about civics related stuff, right? Everything from elections to kind of how municipalities work to how laws get passed. And, you know, we don't actually get any more education than our neighbors on that, which is something, you know, maybe that ought to change. But through Vet the Vote, what we're trying to do is make the veteran military family community some of the most educated folks as possible on elections, mechanics, the mechanics of elections, how voting works, what happens with vote certification, that sort of a thing. And so that actually dovetails really well with how the rest of the community sees us, because 70% of our fellow Americans, regardless of political affiliation, trust veterans to do what's right for America. 80% see veterans as role models for good citizenship. So, you know, to the extent that we're highly knowledgeable about this stuff and, uh, and we're the ones, you know, checking in folks at the, uh, at the polls and, you know, counting the ballots. Well, then overall, you know, we can better inform our community members. And when they see us there, you know, their their confidence in the process will go up. Anil, anything to share with that? I think that's totally spot on. I mean, maybe the, the higher level view of all this is there's no better community of, of people to uh, to build more trust uh, in our electoral process than veterans and military family members for all the reasons that Ben just said. And also because we represent every part of this country, geographically, socioeconomic, race, you know, gender, it doesn't matter. The veteran population and the military family population is, is America, right? And so um, as you think about the community of people that, that we want to get more involved, the best, you know, kind of the best place that we can think to, to tap into, both because, you know, we are representative of the country, but also because we've raised our hands to serve at one point in our prior lives. And so this is just another way to continue that service and deliver all of the other kind of intangible benefits that Ben just mentioned to the rest of society. And I know when I think of my own neighborhood, you know, I've got three vets, myself being one of them within just a few blocks of, you know, my home and we're three different races, three different cultures, three different ranks, three different eras. But it would be cool to go to my polling place and see Steve or see John or see Dave standing there, you know, because I would be like, oh, well, he's from my neighborhood and he's here with the hello, my name is sticker on his shirt and he's working. Uh, okay, you know, this must be somewhat trustworthy, or at least I know I got a guy on the inside. And, um, you know, maybe some of those conspiracy theories have less traction as we go forward if we saw more of our friends, neighbors and fellow vets, you know, working there. I want to get to just one thing about like some of the specific duties. And I know this is kind of very state to state, but like I remember hearing in elections years ago about like the dangling Chad or like how they weren't sure if this vote should count or, you know, even more recent elections. Anytime there's like a security cam video of like somebody walking around 
at the end of the night, you know, collecting boxes or putting things down. It immediately fuels this thing. Like, see, see what they're doing. Look at that. They're cheating. What are some of the duties that election workers will get to see or get to experience in doing this that might give us a little more faith in the system? So, you know, first of all, I think what they'll see is an incredibly well-run process from start to finish. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, Maricopa County, um, and Anil can probably tell you a little bit about Clark County. So uh, Maricopa County uh, gave a tour to myself and a number of local veteran leaders last November of the Ballot Tabulation Center in uh, downtown Phoenix. And, you know, there's there are cameras everywhere. All the cables that go into the servers are visible in these tracks, so it's very clear where they connect to and they don't connect to the internet. Um, you know, there's two, there's two party, two person integrity with everything that, that goes on. Like only one guy has a key to the server room and he doesn't have the code to get into the server. So two people, only two people could ever do something on that server. Um, and, you know, with, with respect to the votes themselves, there's, uh, you know, there's very strong requirements and moving them around. I mean, you know, ask anyone who's actually served or watch the process happen, and they'll tell you how absolutely secure they are. And Anil right now is actually spending time over at Clark County uh, Election HQ, um, and he's seen it firsthand himself this morning and, and more to come this afternoon. That's fascinating. Anil, tell me what you're seeing right there in the uh, Clark County HQ. Yeah, exactly. As Ben was mentioning, we, we spent some time actually this morning um, at a polling location uh, just kind of west of the Strip. Um, and got there at you know 6 a.m. and we were already late. Uh, the, there were about 20 election workers, about five or six of which were veterans um, who were there setting things up, swearing an oath uh, to uh, to kind of their responsibilities to be fair and to you know it's actually a very similar oath in some ways to uh, support and defend the Constitution that, that we all uh, swore when we uh, joined the military. Um, but then, you know, it's, it's kind of all of the above of, uh, of making sure that elections run on the day. And then also kind of after after the fact, uh, a lot of things that Ben mentioned around um, kind of playing the role of electoral judges um, in certain jurisdictions, um, you know, kind of the multi-party, uh, you know, kind of uh, integrity system. Uh, you know, we have their veterans who play those roles. Um, and then there's also, you know, uh, one of the uh, the warehouse lead for Clark County is a, is a Marine vet um, who we're excited to spend some time with later this week as well, talking about his experience. He's been working for Clark County for 10 plus years um, on uh, on making sure that elections run freely and fairly in Clark County. And so it's a pretty incredible all of the above uh, type situation. And I think it's important for every American to know that, you know, this is a responsibility and this is a, a, a it's not a closed behind, you know, behind the scenes you know, kind of black box situation. There are there are everyday citizens, you know, like your neighbors who are participating in making sure that all these things run freely and fairly. And and the opportunity for you to to step up and be a part of that is uh, is pretty much always there. And so, uh, so we encourage everybody to, uh, to to sign up and serve. Right on. And you know, we'll leave the behind the scenes look here uh, with this last kind of question. But quite simply. Based on everything you've seen, do you ever see a way or an opening for any hacker, for any, uh, you know, foreign entity to get in and mess with our elections? Is this a safe process? I think, uh, you know, anyone who sees it up close 
will come to the conclusion that our elections are about as safe and secure as they can be made. Okay. Let's talk about the successful partnership that we've had with the NFL. I know you guys were doing this last year and uh, Ben, you couldn't make the trip. Sorry about that, but I'm glad you're there this year. Um, Tell me about the numbers that vet the vote has achieved through last year's partnership and building up to the midterm elections. How many poll workers were we able to get? Sure. So uh, in 2022, we, the, the shortfall was about 125,000 and through our coalition and our partnership with the NFL, we were able to recruit about enough to fill about half of that shortfall, 64,000, 63,500 and change. Um, this year, no one's quite got their arms around what the shortfall is going to be, but it's going to be significant. You know, there's projections of record uh, voter turnout this, this election cycle. And so, you know, I have to imagine everyone's going into this believing that it's going to be uh, at least as significant of a shortfall, if not more. And so, you know, we're, we're uh, up in our game a little bit this year, and we're trying to recruit about 100,000 veterans and military family members this time around. Um, and uh, the NFL has been an incredible partner to us. Former Commissioner Tagliabu is, uh, you know, a big supporter. He made the introduction for us. And, um, you know, we have gotten nothing but the greatest support from both uh, NFL operations, NFL Foundation, uh, and the clubs themselves. So, you know, over the course of the last few seasons, we've done uh, on-field and other types of activations with five or six clubs. We gave out some Super Bowl tickets last year to uh, a local Maricopa County election worker who was also an Army veteran, well, actually, excuse me, a serving Army reservist. Um, and, you know, we're just, we're just deepening the relationship all the time. we got a ton of events going out here going on out here at uh, Super Bowl Media Week and, you know, really thankful to the NFL uh, and to all their personnel and fans to for this partnership. And we're looking for over 100,000 volunteers to help work in local elections in their own town, in their, you know, right where they live, serve their own friends and neighbors. What are the qualifications? What kind of background do I need to be a good poll worker or to be a qualified, useful volunteer? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, as you mentioned before, every the, you know one of the actually best parts in terms of security for our elections is that they are incredibly decentralized and run um, at a local level, uh, and so the requirements vary uh, kind of locality by locality. But um, I will make a, a pitch for everybody who's interested to go to vetthe.vote, uh, where you can get connected to your local. Um, local districts information about eligibility for, for being a poll worker. But generally speaking, it's just needing to be a resident of, um, of the area. Um, and so, you know, it's, it is very much a, uh, and, and a voting age. And so very much kind of part of the, uh, volunteering and, and, uh, anybody who is, you know, kind of eligible to vote in that district should be eligible to, uh, to volunteer as a poll worker. Very cool. So all the trainings provided just show up and diversity is key. You know, any age demographic, any background experience, you know what, they welcome all because it only makes it more level a playing field. And, you know, having people from a vast background just assists in so many ways. Very cool. Yeah, one, one thing I might add, I mean, just tying this to our, our campaign with Beth the Vote and veterans and military family members, I mean, there is definitely a, a background and set of experiences that veterans have um, in, you know, uh, in working as a small team to accomplish, you know, really important missions um, and, and being able to problem solve on the fly when, you know, things, uh, you know, inevitably need to be adjusted. And so all of those 
those experiences and that skill set is, is also incredibly important when it comes to poll working. And every election official that we have talked to, um, you know, continues to to praise and highlight how much they appreciate um, and value when veterans and military family members uh, volunteer as poll workers because they bring that extra uh, that extra experience and that extra mindset to the table um, as part of the electoral process. Yeah, man. Always nice to see one of our vets over there with his uh, Marine Corps shirt on or his grunt style tee, whatever it is. You, you know, you're always looking at a guy there that, you know, is going to be pretty okay. Let's just wrap with, uh, we talked about experiences and uh, this is another kind of look behind the curtain, maybe less about voting and more just about Vegas, but uh, you had any cool experiences out there so far? You run into anybody, you cross paths at a red light or outside the Bellagio and run into, uh, I don't know, Strahan or like any of the analysts, any cool sports celebrities you rubbed elbows with thus far? We had dinner at um, Bazaar Meat last night, the uh, Jose Andre place. That was fun. We met uh, the bar rescue guy, and the guy's name is escaping me. <laughs> oh, I know <laughs> who you're talking about, though. Yeah, but it's early in the week, you know. Uh, the the sort of rhythm of the week is like the uh, the A listers don't start showing up until like tomorrow and Thursday. And Anil, what are you looking forward to doing uh, while you're there this week? I know they have these like luxury tailgates. I heard Bobby Flay's hooking up, uh, you know, at a celebrity kind of uh, tailgate. Is there anything that's on your list of things to do? Well, first and foremost, uh, obviously getting the word out as much as we can, uh, just like we're doing with you and uh, using this opportunity with the spotlight uh, from America being on the Super Bowl to kind of kick off our, our Bet the Vote 2024 campaign. But uh, but otherwise, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's I mean, it's great to uh, to honestly just be in person with um, with Ben and some of the rest of our team that's out here. You know, as an organization, we are spread across the country. Uh, and so we don't get to kind of spend time together in person nearly as often as we would like. And so just uh, looking to, uh, to build the memories and, and uh, enjoy a bit of uh, getting to work together, uh, you know, in the same place for a change. And I know for you, Anil, uh, you're from New York, so uh, the weather's just got to be nice, uh, let alone any objective we have there, or any mission we have to accomplish. It's got to be nice to be doing it in 75 degrees versus uh, chilly New York in February. Uh, game predictions. Can I get your guys' thoughts on uh, who you got? Anybody? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing as a New Yorker and as an Arizona guy, Ben, you know, your hope's been lost since, you know, early December, late November with the pairing of both those teams. What about uh, the game this, this weekend? What do you got? I got to go with the Chiefs, man. Um, I'm, I really like seeing Mahomes play. He's a real exciting quarterback, and uh, I am enjoying watching the Mahomes-Chelsea connection. Those guys are killing it. So I think they'll, uh, I think they'll carry the day. I'm hopeful anyway. Yeah. I love those improv plays he makes. He like squirrels around the side of the pocket or he gets loose and he kind of flips the ball sort of underhanded at times, like a baseball kind of sidearm. Guy's so unpredictable on the field. Crazy cool to watch. How about you, Anil? What do you got for this weekend? Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a DC sports fan. Um, and so my, my hopes were dashed, uh, probably in week one of the season about, uh, uh, about, uh, again, the, the commanders being out here for the Super Bowl, but, uh, no, I'm I'm pretty excited about the the 49ers. I think uh, there's there's actually a lot of people who are players and coaches who were previously with uh, the DC team that uh, that are now with the 49ers and have done some pretty pretty incredible things over the past few years. So I'm rooting for them for you know to break uh break up the the streak a bit of of the Chiefs uh, going to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. 
And I'm looking at you, Chase Young. Talk about a lucky guy, right? Gets traded like three quarters of the way through this season. Is on his way to getting a ring. And, uh, you know, he played the last several hard seasons on a team that just could not find its way. So, uh, yeah, that'll be fun to watch as well. Heck of a defense the 49ers got. Um, Always cool to talk to both you guys. I appreciate everything Vet the Vote is doing out there. I really wanted to give you some time on the show because I think it's just really cool that as divisive as politics gets and as the candidates get, the actual mechanisms of casting your vote, that's something veterans can get involved with and make the process better. Even if you are for one guy and hate another one or your choices don't look you know, like what you want, the system itself is not broken. The vitriol's out there, but the system itself is in place and democracy will live. Uh, if a veteran's hearing this or a person's hearing this and wants to get more involved, wants to find out how they volunteer in their local precinct, where do they go? What do they do? So they can go to vet the dot vote. We got buttons right there for you to uh, apply to be a poll worker, or register to vote or check your registration. And that was a really great point you just made. You know, uh, as service members, we all kind of know how to check politics at the door and accomplish a mission. And that's really the same thing that all of our uh, very dedicated poll workers do when they set up an election polling station and do their duty there. Very cool. Vet the dot vote. I love it. The dot there is between vet the and vote, but uh, you put it all together. Vet the dot vote. You can find your way to a polling station near you and do some cool stuff. Anil Nathan, Ben, Kaiser, both veterans, Marine Corps and Air Force, man. Really appreciate your guys' time. And uh, yeah, man, I, I'm going to follow you guys on social. So get some cool pictures of, of like something I want to see. I want to experience the Super Bowl through you and with you guys at Bet the Vote. We got it, Phil. Nice speaking with you. Thanks, Phil. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. <laughs> Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.